0: Hi and welcome to Work Together, a podcast brought to you by Social Optic. In this podcast series we ask experts in their field for their views, thoughts and advice on topics ranging from technology and data science to organisational culture and psychology. Roll intro. today's episode, we'll be looking at the topic of company culture, people experience and remote working. Joining Benjamin Ellis is Matt Partovi, founder of Cultivist and head of remote at Distributed. Matt shares his experiences working in a social media startup and how that led to his passion for company culture. We then explore some of the struggles companies face with remote working and outline key principles to an effective remote working culture. Let's dive in.
1: Welcome to this month's episode of the Work Together podcast and as you've heard in the introduction we are looking at a particular topic today which is actually touches on a number of things and in the previous podcast we were talking with Richard Mabry and we touched on the issue of hybrid work and that really being flexible work. We're going to push that to the far end of the spectrum with today's guest, who brings a wealth of experience. Um, and I'm going to pause at that point and let him introduce himself. I first met Matt many, many years ago. And I'm, I'm guessing now it's kind of in the region of over a decade ago, rolls back into the Early part of history when social software was just becoming a thing, and we were starting to look at how you might use Yammer in organisations, and all these things were revolutionary and radical that we take for granted today. And he had a particularly unique take on applying those technologies and looking at organisations that, for me, was was quite a few years ahead of what everyone else was doing. And I feel like everyone's talking about Matt's stuff now, but he was there first. He was there like over a decade ago. So. Matt, introduce yourself for our listeners today. Thanks
2: so much for having me, Benjamin. And yeah, I actually looked through my emails and I found that it was, I think, in June 2013. So a few months off 10 years, you're right, um, that there was a big yak in eBay's offices in Richmond. And I think that might have been the first time that we met. So a big shout out to Rachel, Jenny and Dana for um, bringing people together at the Big Yak. Um, and I know actually Jenny's continuing it, um, something similar. So I'm really fortunate, yeah, that, that we met back then. And over the years, I've devoted myself to learning about company culture, remote working and how to shape the people experience. I'm I have two main focuses now. I'm the head of remote at Distributed. And I lead the cultivist community.
1: So it sounds like the right person to talk to if we're talking about remote work, because that's literally the day job. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Cultivist first for those people who haven't come across that before. And they should have done so.
2: It was I was very lucky to join that company. It was a startup, um, Yama the company you mentioned previously. And because it was a startup, we didn't have legacy processes or systems or policies to evolve. We could design things only to be as complicated or as complex as they needed to be. And because it was such a small company and the founders really prioritized culture, It was easy to get a sense of what was valued the most. But as we grew, I was really sensitive to how the culture evolved because it continuously changed. But how did it evolve in a way there was a gap between what we were aspiring to and how things actually work? So I wanted to just go deep with people on the topic of culture and be and say, oh, this happened today at work. Like, have you had a similar experience? And that was the origin of Cultivist. I was just looking for a group of friends that I could go deep with about culture. And over the past nine years, I've been really fortunate that that's blossomed into a beautiful community of people who care deeply about the experience that people have at work and how you shape it. So, um, yeah, I feel very fortunate for the community and the journey I've been on with Vest.
1: And it's interesting as to how, and again, to some degree, this is the context that we occupy and the people that we talk about. But it feels like right now, particularly, it, every senior person in the organisation is focused on culture. Every company has got some kind of culture initiative. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that it hasn't always been that way. I mean, certainly back a decade ago, for most organisations, other than perhaps high growth startups, culture wasn't something that people thought about that much. And some people did, but it definitely wasn't as pervasive as it was today. So it's it's a, an unusual, very rich community, the culturist community of a set of people really focused on all the different aspects of what culture is and again in a very practical way as well because you know whilst that you can have that definition of culture that that's how things get done here the interesting conversation i was having earlier on this week was that actually impacts on everything because when you're trying to create any kind of business transformation it's always going to come down to culture whether you're you're trying to control costs whether you're trying to grow the business whether you're trying to change the director all, all of these things come down to culture because it's how people do things and that inertia a lot of time is what you're battling against sometimes as a leader or in the case of a fast-growing startup it's the thing that you are trying to preserve as you bring extra people on the bus and avoid it lurching off left or right and losing sight of its mission
2: yeah it, immediately uh this is um sparking thoughts and conversations so a couple of those are uh, you describe how culture is uh, forefront for so many people. I think over the years we can see that different aspects related to culture become more um, more in the mainstream discussed. So um, with the Me Too movement, uh, gender became more in the forefront. Uh, then there's been more of a focus on diversity, inclusion, belonging, race. Um then I think we've been seeing more about flexible working and flexibility. And more recently, a, a theme that has become more pronounced is well-being, but particularly financial well-being. So it seems as though there are, while there's this underlying um, increased importance in culture, there'll be different uh, themes that get attention um, according typically to some sort of external factor that's happened in society that organisations then prioritise and respond to.
1: And interestingly, at the far end of the spectrum, and this is probably going to loop round to um, <laughs> what you're doing these days, is some organizations' culture effectively is their competitive differentiator. And there have been little spots of that around Um, In different sectors where companies have moved from being maybe very brand led consumer businesses to what I would call a culture led business, where the proposition is really about the culture and what they stand for. And that's becoming quite prevalent now that that actual culture is a key part of either the employee value proposition or the customer value proposition. So I'm going to loop that back round to the other hat that you wear. Tell us a little bit about that and your role.
2: Yeah, so this is my main focus um, for a company called Distributed. Back in 2017, a guy called Callum Adamson was working as a freelancer and he'd spent like about 10 years building teams of freelancers to help companies build technology products, so more quickly or more cost-effectively. And in being a freelancer and working with freelancers, he really saw that companies felt there was a shortage of talent, talented software developers. And in his experience, he, he believed that there was an opportunity beyond just a marketplace that enabled companies to hire gig workers. His belief was that the world needed a platform that offered freelance careers not just gigs. So I'm thrilled to have joined as head of remote and distributors mission is to provide freelance tech careers. And in doing so, they're enabling companies to discover and engage with freelancers at scale predictably, securely and cost effectively. So I've been learning a lot about the remote working experience given our proposition, is that we enable customers, our clients, to access distributed remote teams.
1: So remote really is the the core of, of what you do and building an organisation as well, that you, you're establishing a culture and a sense of belonging in an environment that is not just remote, but is remote across organisations. And that second bit we'll come back to, because I think that's a whole, whole thing of its special own. but just focusing on... The remote bit and giving that sense of belonging. A lot of the discussions that we have uh, with our customers where we've looked at that transition to remote work, um, where they've adapted to new working styles is repeated themes that really come down to how do you give people a sense of belonging when they've moved from being in a physical space that created that identity and that belonging to now the working from somewhere at home you know hopefully not quite at the end of the bed but you know a desk in a room somewhere on their own looking out at their own space very disconnected from from everybody else and and people do oftentimes tell us they feel quite disconnected from the organization and the ultimate level of that challenge that people are finding now is onboarding employees as well how do you give people not just a sense of the culture but how do you help them pick up how we do things here when they are completely remote from the rest of the organisation and don't see those behaviours going off around the office and don't get opportunities to see things modelled to them other than a Teams or a Zoom meeting. So talk to us a little bit about your experience of that and what you've seen that's worked really, really well, or maybe even some some things to avoid.
2: Yeah, it's there's a lot to get into. If we start... Um, at the beginning, um, it reminds me of a quote, um, I don't know who said it, but every story has a beginning, middle and an end, but not necessarily in that order. Um, <laughs> but start, start in the beginning. Um, what does remote even mean? It's a bit like, well, these big business words such as culture or innovation, They there is not one clearly universal definition. That everyone uses. So for the purpose of this conversation, let's I'll put out there that remote implies distant from somewhere. So for some people talking about remote work, that's seen as distant from a center of gravity. So there might be an office or a geographical location where more people are, and you'll have some people who are remote from that centre. For other people, they don't view it like that. And it's seen as people are distant from each other irrespective of whether they're, well, sorry, they're distant from each other and there's not necessarily a centre. So some people would describe this more as distributed. So in summary, let's just consider remote as distant from somewhere. What does this involve? in terms of, okay, practically, what do we need to consider if we are going to try and optimize as a remote business? It involves looking at things such as where we work, and that could be which country we're in or which region of a country, or more physically, do we work from people predominantly working from home or co-working spaces or more nomadic in different locations, different countries? So one aspect of remote to consider is where we work. A second is when we work. So if there is, if a company has more of a traditional nine to five expectation approximately in a certain time zone, it's exploring, okay, if we're not physically co-located, that could give us the opportunity to not necessarily work in overlapping hours. Because while there's benefit to working at the same time, there's also a cost and drawback. So it's exploring when do people work, what flexibility is there. Also how we work. So again, if we're not co-located, there's opportunity to work in different ways that could be more effective and more engaging. So these are some of the aspects, the areas that we could kind of uncover and look into. Okay, well, what 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 have we been exploring and
1: doing? It's interesting that a lot of this comes down to making conscious choices as well. And I think for people, even people who've been doing these things a long while, and I've told the story before, we've social optic has always been a, I use the phrase inside out. Uh, a business which is kind of borrowed, I think i don 't know it was automatic or, or where that one came through, but the idea that we never had a core we never had a, a mothership to go back to everyone worked from where they they are, and we 're still pretty much like that we do now have a space that we um, kind of call home that we go and coalesce at from time to time but even being an organization like that going through COVID changed us and made us realize things um, about what we had to do to to define and preserve our culture as, as we grew and even more so for organizations that were predominantly everyone at the headquarters that that have now become more dispersed actually a lot of the culture decisions have happened by default um, just because everyone was trying to figure things out and they just work that way and they haven't really codified this is how we interact or what do we mean by flexibility and I think it's a really interesting framework around yeah, is it is it location? What are the bounds of that? Does that mean somebody can, uh, you know, dial in from New Zealand and be ten hours off core company hours, or uh, does does that that? Yeah, and it's just so many variables that get introduced that. Are fixed down when you put people inside of one office and you can understand why a lot of big organizations have gone through this cycle of oh let's bring everyone back into the office because that will fix everything Uh, interestingly it doesn't that's a whole other story I actually found a post that I will will link to in the show notes that was uh, for people who can remember back to when Marissa Mayer called everyone back to the office in Yahoo and I I found this old post that I read and I thought that this was like a current thing because it resonant you know kind of echoed with this bringing everyone back to the office. And then I suddenly realized, no, actually this was a whole thing from 10 years ago. And I think pretty much everyone knows where Yahoo went. I mean, it didn't fix the problems, it actually exasperated the problems because they had culture questions that just didn't get answered. So where, for people grappling with those, where where's a starting point? And where do you start with understanding what you don't know? You've given a good framework there in terms of the areas that you can look at, but what what do you ask next? What do you look at next? And how do you get everybody back on the bus, as it were, in terms of bringing expectations back into line about how people are going to interact with each other when when it is digital rather than physical?
2: Yeah, and one of the things to consider is like how do we like how do we bring people on the bus, as you say. What what has the status quo been before this change for a lot of companies? And the status quo before this has been, for a period of time, some companies have been working remotely for many years. Some of them struggled and weren't successful, and some of them have really thrived and have been remote for more than 10 years. So we know that for some people and companies, it's possible. It's it's the only way for them, for some of them. And they really appreciate it. Another aspect of what's happened over the last number of years is, if people have primarily been going to an office, that while it might work for some, it hasn't worked for others. So there's, there are similarities there with when we consider for a remote working approach, bear in mind that the starting point, of the previous point, the benchmark was not a great necessarily experience for everyone and really successful. So in the same way, there'll be trade-offs as we make decisions for our remote ways of working, there were many trade-offs being made in the previous setup, and what would be interesting is to see, okay, in that existing system, who was benefiting from the, that way of working? Um, were were there um, systemic kind of benefits to certain groups of people or individuals within the company? So there has been inequality and remote does throw up challenges, but actually there could be opportunities for more um, fairness and equality. So with that in mind, okay, where do we start? Practically speaking, if we want to do this next week, if we want to be more intentional about our remote working approach. The first is to get clarity. And this won't be unique to remote, but this is, okay, what are what are our intentions? Why are we doing this? Why do we want to consider our remote working approach? This is so that you can set the expectations of people who might join your company to say, this is how we work. This is our approach. If this is something you'd like to be part of, this is what you can expect. And also for people in the company, you can help them understand, here's the ways of working we value the most regarding remote working. This is for you to choose whether this is an environment that you would like to thrive in and contribute to. So getting clarity about why and what that looks like. Number two is once you've got clarity of what you say, you need to look at, okay, what do we actually do? What's the gap between what we say in our clarity and what actually happens? And set up a healthy feedback loop so you can learn and iterate on that. And then, there are many things to do, but I'll, if I were to pick a third one, I would pick something that's practical that you can apply across the organization, which is create some rituals. So, for example, at Distributed, we have a all-company remote meeting every Tuesday, um, while we Iterate on the format of that through feedback we receive, we have a clear premise of, okay, we're clear on what is the purpose of that, and it's to inform, to excite, and to connect the remote team. And then on Friday, we have Friday shout-outs, where anybody across the distri- the globally distributed team um, recognizes people for their work that's re- particularly reflective of the company's values. So. These two rituals, two of many rituals we have, act as kind of anchors so that while people have flexibility and are working at different times, they may not be connected physically. These are um, organisational constructs that help people stay connected, um, even though we're remote.
1: It's it's interesting, the, the rituals thing for people who haven't delved into that before a lot of times people can get a little bit put off by that um but actually it's an incredibly powerful tool and rituals are central to social cohesion if you if you um, kind of look at uh, anthropology or the social sciences you'll find that that rituals are a binding thing for sharing purpose and actually as you read through it particularly as a You know, maybe a hardened business MBA. Maybe you look at that list of things that they achieve, and they're like, "Oh yeah, these are all the things we're trying to do with change management." Oh, well, actually, this is a really old problem humanity solved with with rituals, and it is where you haven't got those interesting to explore and find the ones work with your culture if you've already got an existing culture an existing organization because not every ritual is going to work for every organization and I, i've watched a few things recently where people have kind of got the idea of ritual they've borrowed something from somewhere else and it just hasn't landed and they've got oh rituals don't work it's like they do but it has to be your rituals it has to emerge from what your people care about uh, it was one particular organization we were working with a few years back where they were very disparate very very remote and they'd lost to some degree their sense of identity and and they tried various things and it had not worked um but the insight was in doing research with their organization and doing surveys we realized they were very much not a written culture people weren't big on writing they were quite big on telling stories and they were really big on imagery on seeing things because they were out and about looking at things and so their ritual became getting photos of things that had happened and then talking about those so I gave them a mechanism to tell their story and it kind of brought the culture back because people started to you know say hey look here's a you know a, a photo of me with this customer that they asked me to take because I solved this problem for them and this is what I did and this is how we got them out of the situation and these teams worked together and made this happen and that became their their binding rituals to, to use that kind of storytelling backed by a bit of media, by a, by a photo. That wouldn't work for a lot of organizations, but for them, that was a thing because they, you know, they didn't write, they weren't happy just standing up cold, but if you gave them a photo and asked them to talk about that, anybody in the organization could get involved in that ritual and share their story. Um, and in doing so, they were showing best practice to the organization, they were showcasing the culture of the organization and what they stood for really really simple thing but it was transformative for that organization and their growth
2: yeah such a powerful um approach that has lasted for so many years and if, if i was to pick a couple of the other key um key aspects to really consider in your remote working approach alongside rituals one would be okay If we are saying remote working allows flexibility, and a a message that a lot of people talk about is, you now have the flexibility, as long as you achieve your objectives, you have more flexibility about where and when you work. It will come down to, okay, but how do you decide whether I achieved my objectives? Like, If my workload is, not manageable if it's like beyond my capacity. Having this flexibility doesn't really help me because I might not hit my target, or you might perceive my flexibility as being the reason I didn't hit my target. So trying to understand how much capacity do people have and how much is achievable is a is not necessarily the first thing you think about for remote working, but it's one of the most important enablers of the successful way of working, but also people to have flexibility. So that's one, thinking about how do we decide workload of individuals, so when we assess performance, um, it's not uh, working against the flexibility they could have. And then another one is decision making. Again, this is not the first thing you think of for remote working, but okay, if we are not co-located, when decisions need to be made, The the habit might be for people to think, I need to create a meeting. We need to bring people together to discuss this, talk about the nuance, and then make a decision. What we've seen at Distributed is there's the opportunity for changing the way decision-making happens. What that looks like in practice is getting clearer on who are the decision-makers, how are the decisions made, who needs to consent? Does there need to be consensus or not? And so on. And then how do you can write? How do you write and communicate the information that people would need to be able to make that decision? So that would include context that people may not have. It would include what you should know about or what you need to think about. What information do you need to access? So Doing decision-making in remote working does not necessarily need to recreate the meetings we used to have in person, but it requires a different way of setting up the decision-making. And you might find there are instances where it is powerful to have a synchronous conversation about an element of that. But remote working enables you to shift from 100% of that process happening, 100% of what used to happen in meetings a percentage of that can move outside of meetings, and then the time you do spend together is used most valuably. And then communicating decisions, or when you're asking for someone to do something, being more succinct. So rather than giving the context and then writing the ask at the end, and somebody has to wait to the end to understand the ask, we're seeing one approach that people are taking is, putting the ask at the top, and then given the context, whether it's optional or need to know, lower down in the message. So considering workload and how decisions are made are two maybe non-obvious but critical elements of getting remote working to work.
1: That's definitely a recurring theme, often on the umbrella of performance management. And that goes both ways as well is you know, for some some of our customers, we've been looking at stress in the organisation and identifying root causes of that, and that that has both an organisational level to it and an individual level. So it's both ends of, you know, is this person's performance fair and reasonable? Are they are we using them? Um, and are they able to contribute at the level that they should be able to? Or is something holding them back? Conversely, are we asking too much of them and not working with them in a in a sustainable way? And remote working is really shone a light on that because you don't have those visual cues. You know, somebody just <laughs> goes quiet um, and you don't have that that informal like, yeah, I saw you standing by the coffee machine holding your head in the hands um or you know kind of staring at the, the ceiling for 20 minutes because actually you're stuck waiting for somebody else to do something. None of those g- clues are there. And also it's a challenge I think for for people doing management, particularly people who are new to line management. How do you trust somebody that you can't see? Uh, which you know, it's one of those inherent things in the workplace. I can see the people who work for me. I know that they're up to stuff. I can see they're busy. I can't see them what's going off, uh, and people feeling very exposed when their manager then asks them, Hey, how's the team going? Uh, you know, is it all going? Is it all going well? It's like, well I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and what this conversation has surfaced is while there are, maybe new and specific things to remote working to work on, such as how do people build social connections when they don't meet in person? How do we enable these communities and sense of belonging? So there are specific things that can be explored for that. A lot of the underlying um, foundations for it to actually work are not specific to remote working. And I can link that back to, we talked about social networking earlier. What I found over i don't know 10 years ago 10 years ago now when i was working in that area the challenges we were trying to solve and the opportunities that we were trying to solve through these communication tools were largely managed aspects related to management culture incentives by like the underlying things so whether it's social networking or remote working the things to do with those are very important but the critical enablers are irrespective of those it's how the organization and the systems fundamentally work
1: And the thing, if anything, that's been taken away is the illusion that things are working, which is oftentimes what being in the office does. It just gives the illusion. It's like, well, it looks like things are working. Everyone's at their desk. Stuff's going off. But that doesn't mean that that organisation is actually operating in the way that it could or should do. And it doesn't mean that the people are operating in the way that they could or should do as well. And, yeah, it's interesting coming back round through that, that history of, you know, going going back to Yammer and cultural transformation to realizing these are all fundamental organizational problems that always have been. Now, there's just nowhere for leadership to hide. You've got to to dive in, sort these things out, equip your line managers, equip people to have the conversations to establish these things. How do we decide if we're doing okay? Like you say, decision rights is such a fundamental thing. And so often people don't, don't have an understanding of do we do we have clarity around who makes this decision or whether i'm just contributing here or whether i own this decision and again really basic things like accountability and ownership that you know these are not new problems but actually in the remote world it shines a a spotlight on them because you have to get them right because if you don't the wheels come off in a uh, sometimes very visible way Well, I very much appreciated the conversation. We have touched on a range of things there that I am very sure will give people food for thought. Some useful frameworks about thinking about the dimensions of remote work for your organisation, some of the basics to get right, going off and exploring rituals, but also getting back to the basics around performance management, decision rights, being clear about what your culture is and those expectations as well. So one of the ways to explore these issues further is to get involved in the community of practitioners. And for me, Cultivist has been a, a great way to do that. The interesting thing with that is whilst that is a, um, an online community, it's also an in-place community. And I think you've actually got an event coming up, haven't you, where you're getting folks together to explore some of these issues again?
2: Yeah, so I think remote working works so well because of how inclusive it can be. So if people, for whatever reason or preference, would prefer not to co-locate and meet people in person, I think it's brilliant that more and more companies are offering that opportunity where your performance is not negatively biased just because you don't meet in person. So I love that about remote working. And then I personally really appreciate coming together in person with people. And I feel fortunate that the Cultivist community is coming together for our conference in Kew on the 22nd of March, where we're focused on building the people experience at companies.
1: Excellent. That's for those people who might be listening in the far future. Uh, That's March 2023. But if you've missed that, do not panic. Uh, If you go to the show notes, there'll be a link and you can find out what is uh, next for that community. You'll also be able to find out a bit more about distributed as well. And I'll reference some of the things that I have talked about. And as ever, get in touch with us, ask questions. We love to explore these issues and have the conversations on how we can make great places to work and really help people work together. Thank you so much for your time today, Matt, and I'm sure we will speak again in the future.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Benjamin.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Together, a podcast brought to you by Social Optic. If you aren't already subscribed, then search for Social Optic Work Together on your favourite podcast service. And if you found it helpful, then don't forget to help others find the podcast by giving it a rating, leaving a review, and telling others about the show. You can find more from Social Optic on our website, socialoptic.com, where we also post blogs exploring more of the themes we discuss in the podcasts. You can also get in touch through the chat function there, or drop us an email, or give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. This podcast was hosted by Benjamin Ellis and produced by me, Chris Trim. Be sure to catch our next episode, where we'll be joined by Crispin Sachikonye, CEO of Social Value UK where we'll be discussing the topics of leadership and social value. See you there.